Welcome to the ninth episode of Everstage's Go to Masters podcast, where we interview the GTM leaders from today's most dynamic companies. Their unique insights, hard-earned lessons, and innovative visions are the stories we bring to you weekly. I'm your host AB, heading business development at Everstage. Today in our podcast, we have Nicholas with us, senior manager sales ops at Numerator. Nick, do you want to introduce yourself to our podcast listeners? Yeah, good morning, AB. So my name is Nick Van Holsbeck, and as AB said, I am in sales operations with Numerator. Numerator is a first-party consumer-sourced uh, data set, and I have been doing sales operations for uh, going on three years now, and um, it's been a great journey to get here, and looking forward to discussing sales operations in my journey with the listeners today. Awesome. When I spoke with Nick and realized that his transition from being an FP&A professional to managing sales operations, that's when I realized that there's someone who can actually speak about this in much more detail than I could. Uh, Nick, you've had a fascinating career transition from FP&A to sales operations. Can you share the pivotal moments or experiences that inspired the shift? Yeah. So I have uh, traditionally in FP&A, and I was in multiple industries. I have been in the CPG industry. I was in a REIT industry, uh, traditional advertising, um, you know, always in this FP&A role, right? Back of the house. Yeah, for, for 17 years, I was in traditional FP&A in, in many different industries from uh, CPG industry to REIT industry to healthcare. And you know, kind of always working with numbers, always working with with different teams and ensuring that our P&Ls got rolled up. And throughout that journey, it very much started as a back office, right? Literally just the person that was always crunching the numbers and not really out in front. And that started to shift when I got into SaaS. So when I started working uh, at my previous company uh, for seven years, we were a SaaS company. And when I started there, we really took on kind of that uh, business partner model where you had a finance partner, an HR partner, always working, and, and they put me in charge of the sales team from an FP&A standpoint. So really kind of going from that back office to more being front lines and really understanding, you know, how does a sales team work? What are, what are their challenges on a day-to-day -day basis? And then being able to really translate that to what we were looking for from a finance team, uh, whether it be, you know, accurate forecasting. The sales teams always liked to... Um, over, uh, you know, under promise, over deliver, right? They love to hit the big home runs and really sitting down and having those discussions with them and, and let the sales team understand why it mattered so much that it's just as bad to miss big as it, as it is to overachieve and, and then underreported. Uh, another way to say that is it's just as bad to miss as it is to hit that home run. So, uh, you know, really trying to temper those expectations of the sales teams. And as I worked with them on those things and understood their issues and understood the, you know, what they were facing and what they were looking at when they were making their decisions, it really got me thinking about that sales operations role of, you know, how do I take what I've learned in FP&A and translate that down so that we're all speaking the same language. A lot of times with sales teams, you know, they are sales teams, right? They're able to sell you. They, you know, when, when they need a headcount, when they need something, they're going to put their best foot forward on just as they are with landing clients. So really kind of trying to sort through that and make sure that it aligned with the business needs. And as I did more and more of that, I really got interested in this sales operations role 
And it just, it was a natural evolution. I didn't go just from back office right into sales operations and working hand in hand with those sales teams. It really was an evolution of becoming that business partner and having those discussions and very candid discussions with them. And it always wasn't just about the profit and loss statement. It was, how do we get more sales in the door, which ultimately will roll down to that bottom line? How do we become more efficient with our spend, ultimately rolling down to that bottom line? And having those very candid conversations with my sales leaders led me to think sales operations and revenue operations is is a really neat uh, and integral part of any business. Working in multiple industries with your background in finance, how do you apply those financial skills, such as like budgeting, variance analysis to enhance sales operations at the moment? Yeah. So utilizing that skill set and working in those different industries really gave me a, a full comprehensive look. And what I found through that was that every industry has its nuances, but we're all trying to solve the same this, the same issues in those industries and ultimately hit the same business goals of growing your revenue growing your growing your your reach within the market space. So those were the common goals, but every little company that I've worked for had nuances there. Uh, every every company that I worked for had small nuances to be able to address those those goals. So as as we're doing that and and thinking about that, it's really that analysis and it's being proactive and not reactive. So by understanding what's going on versus what has happened and also using trends and data to understand what has happened previously. But sometimes if you're understanding that you're already too far, as in, if you're looking back at, you know, you're right now we're in October, always looking at historical trends, but also trying to be proactive and not as reactionary because sometimes being reactionary, you've already missed, uh, you know, when you're, when you're saying, Hey, we should have done this way back at the beginning of the year, you have already missed. So getting that analysis and getting it quickly into the right people's hands so that we can make data-driven decisions. That's the most important thing. Uh, you can't go on a gut anymore. Um, with the amount of data that we do have from uh, vendors and solutions that we're utilizing to roll up our business, to look at it different ways, there's no reason that we shouldn't be making data-driven decisions on a daily basis. Uh, there is going to be that that nuance of that uh that, that piece of information that we might not have or can't get just from the data, but that should always lay on top. So uh, pulling that data and getting that ready, I've had a ton of exposure to pulling that data together and really getting to that point. Because with my FP&A background, it was looking at variance analysis and it was telling the story of why. Uh, whenever we would report variance analysis to our P&L or our budget or our forecasts in the FP&A world, it was always, what is the story? It's not just the numbers, is why did we get there and how did we get there? So now working with my forecasting with my sales teams, it's not only using that, that skill I talked about earlier about having them understand that you know, the misses are just as bad as the home runs. We wanna be kind of as close as we can and being realistic. Uh, when, when I'm getting them to that point, then it's also telling that story. Why do we believe in that forecast? Why do we believe that these deals are gonna close or not close? What are those leading and leaning indicators of those deals that are driving our forecast versus just pulling that number out of the sky. Um, and as we are looking at all of the data that we have and trying to crunch it together, you have to get it digestible to your sales leaders. They are working nonstop with clients and trying to you know, bring in those deals quicker, sooner, bigger. 
we have to, what we're putting together in, in sales operations, we really have to dive through all of that and get very granular and then bring it up a level. So what we are reporting out, uh, I always tell my team as we're going, you know, we're going to put together a very large data set and we're going to ask a lot of questions of each other. We're going to pressure test that internally before we give it to what, what I like to call is our external customers is really our sales team. Not external as in our clients, but external as in our sales team, our, our my sales operations team's customers. So as we're looking to get that data to our customers, we want to start very granular and we're going to pressure test it ourselves. And by the time we give it to them, it's got to be easily digestible with not only a, a, a finding, but also a recommendation. So by historically having that background of putting together those findings from the, the P&L analysis, putting together a recommendation for go forward, whether it be um, you know, headcount recommendations to bring in more sales or uh, expense savings recommendations, kind of having that full story before we're putting it in front of our sales leaders. Yeah, talking about uh, data-driven decisions, given your expertise in financial planning, could you explain how you approach sales forecasting in sales operations and the impact it has on the business itself? Yeah, so using those data-driven decisions, sometimes there is seasonality in a forecast, so you need to layer that on. So it's kind of, you know, my process is first and foremost, we're looking at that pipeline. We always ask our sales teams to put a confidence level on those deals, and we're asking them to update that very, very frequently. And that confidence level is one level that I'm using to add on top of my analysis. So I'm taking my pipeline and right away I'm starting with, what is that confidence level of the sales team? Then I'm looking at historical trends. How did we do this month or this quarter in the previous year, previous two years, and even previous three years? And what were the economic factors at that time, um, specifically through COVID, right? Was that, was that a bump in our business or maybe a potential slump in our business because of the COVID? So looking at those type of factors that aren't put into those historical trends, and also thinking about, is there a seasonality? Is there a reason that this is happening uh, at this specific time of the year or what's coming up? Uh, if, you know, if we're going into the Q4, our Q4 normally is one of our larger quarters. Is that something that's driving it? Is it the seasonality? Is it um, budget time for other companies? Are they looking to expend dollars or not uh, at that time? Are they contracting or expanding their, their expense towards the end of the year? So layering in all of those factors onto a forecast that I've asked my sales team to initially put together. So we do put that in a lot of historical lookbacks of, again, how did we do this quarter or this month, previous year, previous two years? and previous three years to try and take out some of that noise. So you always need to be thinking about that. And also, is there a, a internal factor? Is there a new product coming out that we need to factor in? Is there a new release of a product that we need to factor in? Are we sunsetting a product <laughs> that we need to factor in? So having each of those data points to layer on top of your sales team's forecast uh, is, is great. And I also will a lot of times look back at the performance of my sales team's forecast. So not just the performance of the company forecast, but we do ask our sales team to forecast at an individual level, a manager level, a director level, and then obviously a CRO level. So as I ask for each of these levels, uh, there's checkpoints within there. And I will go back every quarter and I look at the performance of individuals. Is, you know, is AB really good at calling spot on or does AB sandbag? Does AB swing for the fences? Those type of things I'm looking at to help me kind of put in 
some of those deviations that I might need to put, ah, this sales director always has an inflated pipeline. A, I'm going to have a conversation with them and their manager and talk about pipeline management. And B, I might factor that in when I am ultimately making my call that I'm responsible for on my forecast. You did mention how you treat your sales team as your customers, Nick. Uh, I'm just curious, like, how do you uh, foster that collaboration between sales ops and sales team to ensure alignment and drive revenue growth, especially in the current role at Numerator? How does it work? Yeah, that's um, <clears throat> a lot of times there's friction between sales operations and the sales teams, whether the sales teams think that sales operations is just oversight. Uh, ultimately, we are all here for the common goal of growing revenue, growing sales, getting deals in larger, faster, uh, you know, long-term deals. So it's really about fostering that communication and letting them know that you are there to be a partner. First and foremost, you're there to help them. You're there to guide to, uh, you know, whether it's remove roadblocks and that takes a, that does take a while. The, you know, I will say the stigma that I've came into from, from an FP&A as well as a sales ops role, the stigma within the sales teams is that those type of back office roles uh, are roadblocks, right? Like, why is finance always asking me these questions? Why can't they let me run my business? Ultimately, it's all of our business. And we need to be partners there and have them be aware that we're partners. And it takes building trust and building trust of, you know, having those conversations, explaining the why. Hey, I just want to talk to you a little bit about your forecast. And right away, they might get guarded and explain why. Know that missing big is just as bad as is uh, is not hitting your number. You know, going way over is just as bad as going way under. So we're trying to get a really good view of this. And I like to bring it up and I'll bring up a forecast roll up and I'll show them. Here's your line item. Here's your manager's line item. Here's the director's line item. And here's the CR, ultimately the CRO's line item. Each one, you are a very important part. A lot of times they'll think, well, I'm just one person. What does my forecast really mean to the larger company? And it means a lot. So fostering that relationship and, and ensuring your sales teams that FP&A is not a roadblock. They're going to ask some tough questions, but that's because they're looking after the business. Sales operations, we're going to ask some tough questions, whether it be about forecasting or about how a deal is being treated. We're not there to poke holes in the sales process. We're there to foster that sales process because ultimately, again, we all are there for the same goal of growing revenue, being partners within the business and servicing, as I said, our external clients, which are the sales team and ensuring that they can do their job to the best of their abilities. For professionals looking to follow a similar career trajectory, what advice would you give on successful transitioning from, say, an FP&A to sales operations? I think for a successful transition from FP&A to operations, it is different. Um, you're still managing a budget. You're still you know, looking at a budget. You're still looking at revenue. You're still looking at expense. But just it's a different lens because you are there a little more in sales operations to foster those sales, remove those roadblocks, whether it's you know, bringing on a potential new vendor that could help, a potential third-party solution that could help get sales quicker. You're going to want to evaluate that and look at your budget. Um, it's ultimately about being that partner with the sales team, understanding their needs. And I learned that when I was that business partner of understanding what were their needs and what was that story. So 
continue to ask those questions of, of the sales teams. If you're going to move from a, whether it's a marketing role into sales operations or an FP&A role into sales operations, heck, HR into sales operations, uh, those skill sets that you're learning when you ask those questions in marketing, when you ask, why, why should we run this campaign to bolster business? The same question you would ask when you're in sales operations, why do we need this headcount? Or, you know, what is the rationale behind these needs and how do we solve that problem? Uh, it really is sales operations, I think is, you know, 50% customer service to your sales teams and 50% problem solving. And a lot of times it's, how do we, how do we help? How do we get there? How do we remove those roadblocks versus being one of our own? Uh, so making that transition, it's really have that analytical mind to be able to provide those insights to your sales team, team leaders. It's about having the compassion to understand that that sales team, they want to get sales in just as much as you do and understanding that they're running sometimes just as hard as we are. So, uh, you know, really taking that, taking that into account because you're going to work across multiple sales verticals, multiple sales uh, functions, and they're all going to be a little different and know that somebody's having a, diff a difficult day and you're going to jump from one phone call to another and you're going to have to switch that brain and be able to think very quickly on your feet as you're talking to maybe one vertical that is treated completely different within the business to another vertical. You have to switch that mindset and be able to get right in and understand what are they trying to accomplish that day and how can you facilitate that accomplishment? What, uh, what are their end goals for the year, for the, not only the year, maybe five-year plan, and how can you help facilitate that? Is it really thinking into that future versus just what is today. And I find part partially to become successful is thinking about that is what does this decision do to the organization today? What does it do to the organization this month, this quarter, and in the, in the future? Um, a lot of times when we're working, we want to ensure that whatever we're building or putting in place is going to work in the future. You can't just build something to only work today. And when we do that, the business is going to change this week, this month, this quarter. You want to be able to be flexible to move any of the processes that you need to move. And if it's not working, stop, reevaluate. Uh, you know, don't just keep pushing, pushing the, the the can down the road, kicking the can down the road on on whether it's a project or a decision based on you need to think about the future and forward looking. Are there any specific resources or books you would recommend for someone to scale their career in ops or transitioning from FPNA to ops? What would you recommend for the listeners? Yeah, uh, and and this this is not on my desk just because, but uh, so I didn't even see that this question was coming. But this is on my desk because I've actually uh, we just did a really great project around this on my team, and I read this about once a year. It is the five dysfunctions of a team. It's a great book that really a lot of the things that I was talking about today were the, you know, understanding when you're working cross-functionally that everyone's trying to get to the same goal and understanding how to be uh, cross-functional within teams and ultimately removing those roadblocks. And that five dysfunctions of a team really illustrates how different people think differently and how they might be laser focused potentially on maybe just their own vertical and not thinking about the future or thinking about the organization as a whole and how that could potentially be a roadblock. So getting people on the same page and understanding 
how other people are approaching uh, the ideas. So I really enjoy that book. And I actually do read it about once a year just to refresh my memory. And I make my teams uh, read that book as well. One final question, uh, Nick, where can our audience connect with you and learn more about your work and operations? Sure. I would love to connect with the audience on LinkedIn. And that's Nick Van Holzbeck, V as in Victor, A-N-H-O-L-S as in Sam, B as in boy, E-K-E at LinkedIn. Uh, feel free to shoot me, uh, connect on LinkedIn and even shoot me a uh, uh, in-mail if if you'd like to, I'd love to connect with any of the listeners. I'm very passionate about sales and revenue operations, uh, AB, as you can tell from our discussion today. So more than happy to connect, build my network, and also learn from others. Absolutely, Nick. Thank you so much for joining us today. It was an insightful conversation for sure, and all the best. Great. Thank you for having me. Well, that brings us to the end of this insightful episode of Go to Masters. Remember, you can tune in every week to learn more from game changers driving hypergrowth companies across the globe. GoToMasters is brought to you by Everstage, your trusted partner for transforming the way businesses handle sales compensation. I'm your host, AB from Everstage, signing off. We'll see you in our next episode. Until then, goodbye for now.